Good morning. This is Tommy Ray, and we're in episode 45 of Water Rights, Laws, Guns, and Money. I feel that I should apologize for not producing an episode last week. I've been trying to line up an expert to discuss the 1041 regulations, but everyone I have approached is reluctant to talk about 1041 in a public forum. I think they are either involved in 1041 cases currently in the legal system or are afraid something they say might be held against their employers or themselves. I understand this position. You have to be careful when discussing a controversial subject. But luckily, I can research and share conclusions I have formed either through my research, personal experience, or through informal talks. So what is 1041, and how does it affect water projects? Hang in here with me for a couple minutes so you will understand. It gets pretty esoteric, but it seems to have a big impact on water projects and can be used in the future to hinder needed water projects. 1041 is basically a land use planning tool or regulation. To show how it got where it is and how it impacts water, let's discuss just a little history. Sorry, but by now you know that is part of the program. This summary is from the Colorado Department of Local Affairs Community Development Office. In the early 1970s, there was a desire for state-level oversight in local land-use planning decisions. Colorado's population boomed in the post-World War II era. In Denver, the rapid population growth and development of the 1950s, 60s, and 70s transformed the capital city from a cow town to an urban city but not without negative effects. Traffic congestion and pollution worsened. Development sprawled outward, and taxes were raised to fund the construction of utilities. Older residents saw their way of life disappearing, and new residents worried that their, quote, Colorado lifestyle, end quote, was being destroyed. To address the concerns of Coloradans about the rapid development taking place and in order to introduce state oversight into the planning process, the Colorado Land Use Act was enacted in 1970. The Land Use Act legislative declaration read, the rapid growth and development of the state and the resulting demands on its land resources make new and innovative measures necessary to encourage planned and orderly land use development. The Land Use Act created a statewide system of land use with the intent to develop a state land use map, a project that was to be coordinated and overseen by the Land Use Commission. So things rocked on for four years. Then in 1974, House Bill 
1041, was introduced in the Colorado legislature to address issues surrounding land use planning in Colorado. The intent of House Bill 74-1041 was to protect the environment and lifestyles of the state. The clear objective of House Bill 1041 is to assure that environmental impacts of new development are considered and mitigated. The intent of 1041 is distinctly environmental. House Bill 74-1041 moved through House and Senate committees. As enacted, it became the Areas and Activities of State Interest Act, the AASIA. As part of the Land Use Act, AASIA granted broadened authority and a permit-type procedure to local governments, yet reserved to state-level decision-makers the ability to ensure responsible action at the local level. Let me repeat that. Reserved to the state the ability to ensure responsible action at the local level. Essentially, AASIA introduced a layer of state oversight to certain local planning and development decisions, those of, quote, state interest, that had not previously existed. At the same time, AASIA granted to local governments express control of the impacts of development and was a distinct shift from the traditional zoning methods by which local governments exercised their police power over land development. Control at the state level was exercised through the Land Use Commission and a few other state agencies, and at the local level through the delegated authority to local governments to designate matters of state interest adopt development guidelines, and issue permits. However, state-level control would disappear over the years as the Land Use Commission's role and responsibilities were amended and minimized, ultimately leading to its demise. So now there is no state control over any land use planning that counties or other local agencies want to make using those 1041 powers. But the local planning tools must be enacted under 1041 requirements. This is not what the state intended. That needs to be corrected with a new law at the state level to make sure that decisions that a county may make regarding 1041 powers may not be contrary to what is good for the state as a whole. So that brings us to the Homestake Project and to Thornton. Both have run into unexpected and seemingly impossible permitting through Eagle and Larimer counties respectively. Both these counties have adopted regulations under the 1041 powers. The Homestake Project has large environmental permitting hurdles 
but 1041 has made it much more difficult. Let's discuss homestake first. As we talked about in episode 6, Aurora and Colorado Springs had established water rights in 1952 in the Homestake Valley in Eagle County to bring more West Slope water to their cities. Remember now, you have to think in historical terms. Back then, there didn't seem to be that much opposition to bringing water from the West Slope to the East Slope. And Aurora and Colorado Springs did build Homestake 1, which brings about 40,000 acre-feet to the two front-range cities. Each gets about 20,000 acre-feet annually. The intent, and the cities hold the water rights to do this, was to eventually build Homestake 2 to bring over an additional 20 to 30,000 acre-feet or so. But times change. In 1952, Colorado's population was about 1.4 million, compared to almost 6 million today. According to the Coyote Gulch blog, I suggest you read John Orr's blog, global land and ocean temperature was 1.5 degrees Fahrenheit cooler then. Climate change, scientists say, may cause the Colorado River to lose up to 31% of its historical flows by 2052. Big red flags for environmental groups. Environmental groups are also trying to protect precious wetlands and wildlands. Plus, counties now have 1041 regulations to further control development within their counties. So, Aurora and Colorado Springs have more hurdles that were unforeseen in 1952. In today's world, they may not be able to expand the Homestake Project as originally thought, if at all. I don't question the interests of environmental groups, but I do fault counties for using 1041 as a tool to negotiate away part of the city's water rights for their benefits. It seems that Eagle County is now bargaining with Aurora, Colorado Springs to strip some of its legal water rights off to leave in Eagle County to benefit Eagle County. Is this right? Should a county be holding a project hostage so that the county in which the water originates in or passes through can essentially take some rightfully owned water away from another city that legally owns and needs the water? It just doesn't sit right with me. And the Thornton case is a much worse example of a county using 1041 land use provisions to extract water concessions. Larimer County wants Thornton's clean water to be left in the river through a major part of Larimer County to benefit the county residents. Remember that in about 1988, Thornton acquired 21,000 acres of irrigated farmlands in Well County. 
Note that the water, although diverted in Larimer County, had been used on farms in Well County for over a hundred years. That water had not passed on downstream through Fort Collins. Larimer County had not had use of that water. Thornton bought the water under the water supply and storage company ditch expressly because the quality of the water at its diversion point in Larimer County was very good, almost mountain pure water. Thornton needed a higher water quality source because its existing water quality from shallow wells along the Platte just north of Denver was consistently deteriorating. So after many years of planning, spending large sums of money, and doing things in a legal and responsible way, they came up against Larimer's 1041 regulations. The AASIA, the Areas and Activities of State Interest Act, provides that local governments be encouraged to designate areas and activities of state interest. Activities include the selection, construction, and or development of water supply and treatment systems, water disposal sites, airports, highways and transit infrastructure, utilities, new communities, and geothermal resource use. So, what happened? Larimer County has rebuffed Thornton's attempts to build a pipeline from the water supply and storage company's headgate area, where the quality is high, to a point where Thornton can hook into pipelines it has already built in other jurisdictions. Thornton needs to protect its water quality, and Thornton has made every effort to construct the Larimer County pipeline in an environmentally and safe manner. But no, Larimer County has found ways under 1041 to block permit issuance such that Thornton's alternative is to leave the water in the pooter until it exits Larimer County. That would increase the flow of water through Fort Collins, something they want, of course. But this water flow was never there at least for the last hundred plus years, it has never traveled through Fort Collins. If it has to flow through Fort Collins, it will mix with Fort Collins sewage effluent and degrade the water quality. This is an extreme overreach and political blackmail to force Thornton to do something with its water that it should not have to do. Isn't it in the interest of state activity to allow Thornton to access its clean water for the citizens of Thornton? This is not right, but because it is part of state law, no judge can overturn the county's rights to stop Thornton from building a perfectly good, safe, environmentally friendly pipeline. Thornton is doing everything right from paying for right-of-way to ensuring safety measures, etc. It is being blackmailed. 
The only way is to change laws at the state level, giving the state oversight to do what it originally planned to do. Have land use laws at the local level with state oversight. As you know, there are other projects being planned along the Platte to bring water back to needed areas. What's to prevent other counties in which pipelines need to be built from extorting water from perfectly legal, long-planned projects? I truly hope some legislatures are listening. Things need to change so our cities can continue to grow. We seem to be stuck with a state water plan that discourages buying agricultural water right, while at the same time preventing water from reaching the metropolitan area. I hope this has not confused you, but you will probably hear the term 1041 over and over. Just know that it is a powerful land use tool that can be used to thwart needed water construction permits. If you have the chance, see if your legislature has an opinion on 1041. Tell him to listen to this episode. It is confusing how 1041 came to be a piece of legislation that is out of control. It was supposed to control areas and activities of state interest. Seems to me it is being abused. Okay, I've fretted enough over this to give you a broad sense of how local and state politics can collide. I hope it works out for the better. If you have comments on this episode or wish to better educate me on how 1041 works, please contact me at tommy at nowater.com. That's K-N-O-W hyphen water.com. Time now for me to go relax by my favorite mountain stream. Come join me. See you next time.